0: Good morning and welcome to another exciting episode of Under the Shield presents Fight in Progress. And you're going to recognize a voice, some of you, because we actually are bringing back for today the former co-host, the original former co-host, Ace is in studio with us today. Hello, friends. It's been a while.
1: It has. Telling you. Like, what, eight, nine months now? Ten months? At least. Cause, oh, yeah, at least that.
0: Because Chris has been gone a year the end of this month. Yeah. We're going to actually have his mom on. The first anniversary is on a Friday when we record.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so Linda is going to be in studio with us that day talking oh, about Chris, reminiscing. I'm sure there'll be a lot of tears, a lot of laughter. Sure. A lot of reminiscing about the crazy stuff that dork did. Yeah. That we all loved so much, but boy, can't believe it's been a year, almost a year. It flies. It does, yep. and we've had so much going on at Under the Shield. But no kidding. Fill us in on you. What's happening, Ace? All right.
1: Well, so I when I dropped off the podcast, kind of for good, because I was in the background there for a little while. Yes, still doing the sound and stuff before the professionals took over. <laughs> Lucky you. This <laughs> this setup is uh, is Ace's now. I really like it. He's
0: talking about uh, you, Jay.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, so. It, that was back in, what, September, August time?
0: Uh, you're asking me, the old lady on the set, what's the matter with you?
1: So it was right around there, I ended up getting a job with a college police department here in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, and they've taken good care of me. That's been good. Uh, it's not the action-packed oh, come on now. <laughs> reservation that I was used to. Um, but, uh, but but, good
0: heavens, you're doing everything.
1: It's true, yeah. Uh, so I am... I am department chaplain. I am the training coordinator. I am one of the firearms instructors, and I am the only defensive tactics instructor. Of
0: course, there are only four people there, but I'm
1: just kidding. Yeah, right. Well, no, uh, nine. So you're not okay. that far off. Okay. Yeah, nine. Um, it is very small, but we we train interagency. So yep. we're at the old, um, so th- they're fine with all that, so I can say things, but it's, uh, it's Central Arizona College PD, mm-hmm. and I'm on the main campus over in Coolidge, which mm-hmm. is- for those of you who don't know Arizona, you probably won't even find Coolidge on a map. So Probably not. Um yeah, it's like south central Arizona, kind of cl- it's like right across the street from Casa Grande. Yeah. Uh, about an hour north of Tucson, hour south of Phoenix. Um So but, you have
0: a little commute every day.
1: Yes, yeah, about an hour. Wow. Yeah. And the the campus uh used to be a police academy. So we have a driving track, we got a firing range, we got a, a Milo, which is like a digital like uh it's like a digital firing range where you can do like decision shoots and stuff like
0: that. Oh, I was about to go. I'm coming down there because they have great sweet tea. See, we have Milo's <laughs> in Alabama. It's a restaurant. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. So we do a bunch of interagency training. We got a bunch of guys in. So I'm out there doing all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, we just got our range updated. So I'm teaching all the agencies out there. Casa Grande, Tucson, whatever. Uh Pinal County. Nice. Uh Queen Creek, that new city yeah. that PD's coming out there and training. So it's a lot of fun. Um, It's cool. It's not what I'm used to, but it's... They take really good care of me. The chief is awesome. You'd love him.
0: I need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, because doesn't he, he? He's was... a character.
1: He retired Tucson.
0: Tucson. I was thinking yeah. Mesa. Okay. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, Roberts. Um, Greg. Greg Roberts. Uh, he is just a, a champion. That guy is so much fun to work for. Like nowhere near our typical politician type chief. He is so much fun.
0: We love to have chiefs and sheriffs on, especially. Yeah. When the officers well, the recommend them. Yes, yeah, right. The good absolutely. One. We
1: need good examples. So yeah, he's definitely a good one. So that's a nice change.
0: Well, talk to him about it. See if he'd be willing to come up here and and yeah. do the podcast with us one yeah. Friday.
1: He loves outreach. So that's cool. his thing. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Iggy's down there with us. Yep. We, we had Iggy on here a long time ago.
0: We did.
1: Um, but yeah, so I'm just doing that uh, four days a week and then... So are you full time at the range? Uh, no, I'm... <laughs> there's not really any full-time anything there um i am full-time security and then i am part-time everything else like i take care of training requisitions and travel and firing range stuff and instructing and i just did uh this last month we did uh ifac which is individual first aid Hmm. um that's all the that's all like the combat casualty care somebody gets shot what do you do
0: tourniquet and all that good stuff
1: exactly so Mm -hmm. i'm um, t- Jack of all trades, just what I've always liked. So. Now,
0: is that main campus?
1: That is the main campus.
0: For yeah. the, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the chief is actually there.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're
0: around him a good bit then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, uh, and, probably and, two or three times a week. And he still likes he you. He seems to.
0: Wow. Yeah, we need <laughs> him on the podcast. Yeah, right? Yeah. I need to pick his brain. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. If he can manage me, then he's an all right guy. That's good. Yeah, I scared the last one too good. So and he barely even saw me. yeah
0: you know moving on (laughs) (laughs) good times yes
1: yeah so it's been good and uh so we talked you and i Mm -hmm. um because i still come see you yes i'm it is as hard as i'm trying i'm still not perfect no he'll
0: he has to get the red man stick every now and then
1: yeah um so we were talking about the podcast what a month ago Mm -hmm. and with the new um the new gig is a chaplain, right? Because that's new to me. Yeah. I've never been a chaplain before. But I've been teaching in church for 10 years. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast before. but I don't think so. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm a member of the LDS Church. Mm-hmm. I'm a Mormon, for those of you who don't know what LDS means. Yeah, that's means. not
0: a rarity out here, let yeah. me just say. <laughs> there's, there's
1: a lot of us out here. But if, to just cut to the quick of it, basically we're Christians with a lot more rules. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, Like uh, so I've been teaching um, since about— 2011. And what age do you teach? Uh, Now I teach the adults.
0: That's a good plan.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I started out teaching youth and it went all the way from 11 year olds uh, all the way through to about 15, 16 year olds. Um, And then they put me with the adults and then uh, I've been there pretty much ever since. And I've just (laughs) always been teaching and I love it. And then when we were talking uh, with the whole chaplain stuff going on, I was like, we should do a discussion on faith in law enforcement because I feel like Um, we tend to need it. Sure. (laughs) I think everybody needs it, but I mean, of course the chaplain would say that. Sure. Um, but I, it, but for real, like, so for those of you who know maybe Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. or, um, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, he's a really good one. Sure. Um, there's, I've been just diving into some of this material lately and I'm falling in love all over again with theology and oh! Now we're in trouble. Oh yeah,
0: this might be a three-week episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just i i it it occurred to me that like so when I lost my job with Salt River, mm-hmm. um, that was tough, man. Because like all at the same time, right? So that happened in a matter of three months. Right. That whole breakdown. I had the appeal process, which literally, like, bookended Chris. Yes. right? First yes. first day of the appeal. Chris dies that night, second yes. day of the appeal, right? Yes. So that was a rough couple of days, and then we get the appeal, and mm-hmm. then they say, nah, it's okay. Like, we don't care. Right. So, like, everything's falling apart around me. I'm falling to pieces. Sure. My marriage wasn't perfect at the time, mostly my fault. No. Um, and, nobody's uh, going to buy that. Sorry. So, like, and, and here's the, th- like, big surprise, guys. You guys all know the punchline to this joke. What I found out was I not enough God, right? I was... Focusing on the wrong things. And let me kind of make my point concise here so you guys don't run away from the God talk. Right. So to to put it pointed, we all believe in something. Mm -hmm. We all have things that we think are important or good. Sure. Right. If there's good things and there are bad things, then there's kind of a an order of things or a really common word today, spectrum. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a greater good and a lesser good and a really evil and you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Like, you know, there's, you know, kicking a puppy and then there's, you know, like not tipping your waitress. Like there, some things are worse than <laughs> others. Right? right. But uh so if, if that's true, and I think most of us can agree that that's true. And for those of you who don't, well, then maybe this one isn't for you, but sure. I think generally, especially in law enforcement, we like things ordered or at least to make sense Sure. to us. If things are going to make sense and we like things ordered, then you have to have them ordered properly and you have to have the greatest good at the top so what are you serving like for me when i lost my job what i was serving was like the mission i wanted to be a cop dude yeah i want to catch bad guys i want to do cool stuff i want to like kick down doors and get in fights and win them and like that was awesome and there's nothing wrong with that that was it's great i still want it i'm hungry for it sure um but that was at the top of my list and here's the problem right so like let me hit you with some Dante's Inferno, right? <laughs> it's
0: gonna get like, deep in yeah, here, people. so like
1: he talks about uh, how these people that are there in these different circles of hell, right? Mm-hmm. That it's funny how they chose their hell. That's they chose their love, and their love is what brought them to that level of hell. They served the thing that they loved, and it damned them. Sure. Or like C.S. Lewis: No man who is in hell didn't choose to be here. Right. Right. So we we choose the order of the things that we love or have passion for or want to serve. Mm-hmm. And all I'm saying is that if we're going to do that and we're going to do it smart, do everything else as efficiently as possible, Yep. or we try to, why not order your life to put the proper thing at the top? And that's the greatest good. I call that God. Other people might not. Sure. But we all serve something greater. We all think that it's, there's good and evil. It's why we're cops, for goodness right. sakes. I mean, look, I get it. I could have joined the Peace Corps if I wanted to help people. I want to kick down doors and fight bad guys, but like, th- but th- you still, still
0: did want to help people. Yeah, that, that was still, and that's always been the driving force in most law enforcement,
1: right? But it's like, how do you we? You got
0: ha- to have fun, right? Doing that, though,
1: right? It's it's doing what you love while doing it for a good. Sure. So, and it, and that's that's my whole point. Is I just I think that we should be fighting a little bit more for this. Greater good idea and mm-hmm. what we serve. Because a lot of us get lost. I'm only speaking from experience. I did. Right. I, was, I was broken and lost and I had to figure it out. But and, you didn't know it. Right. That was the At problem. At the time. Every, yeah.
0: It was everybody else's problem.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was their fault. For sure.
0: And that's, you know, in, for 30 years in my trainings, I've always tried to end class with the priorities in life. And first has got to be God, whatever you call him. Mm-hmm. Second is yourself. Third is the family. Fourth is the job, yeah. And the argument that always came back was, "Yeah, but the job pays the bills." <laughs> well, it does or it doesn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, not if you burn it down because you hate God and yourself. Right. Like, no, no.
0: And if you don't give something to yourself before the family, yeah, there'll be nothing left to give to the family. I, I right. learned that lesson, right? And you know, the ones that that crack me up, and and we've had James Bird on. And James professes to be an atheist. And to which I keep telling him, no, you really don't know what you are. And uh, last time we were teaching at the Academy at Phoenix, and he started talking about Dave Glasser. And he said something to the effect of, and I know I'll see him again in Valhalla. And I looked at the class. I said, the rest of us call that heaven. Yeah,
1: Yeah, (laughs) You pronounce heaven real funny.
0: And so I don't know how you can believe in Valhalla and not believe in God or something, it's just another name for heaven in my book.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and he, like a lot of us reconcile things that we can't explain with science because we, we want to use science to explain everything, right? Sure. We have scientific minds nowadays. It's how we're taught.
0: I don't think we did much of that with COVID, but whatever. <laughs> Fair that's enough. Another, <laughs> Fair that's enough. another That's other
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like there, there are things that, and we all know it, there's things that you can't explain away with science, right? Like I listened to a great talk by Bishop Barron just technically, this morning at like 1 a.m. I just came off graveyard shift, guys. He's only been so, up for
0: like yeah. three days, but so, it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I listened to this talk by uh, Bishop Robert Barron. He's a bishop in the Catholic Church. Gives the most beautiful sermons and talks. The guy's super intelligent, knows his stuff. Uh super interesting. If you guys are interested, check him out. He's on YouTube. Um, but he was talking about how like the relationship between science and religion, right, mm-hmm. how it doesn't always make sense. But we we try to explain things in a scientific way and that's not what religions for that's not what that that's not what that serves right, right. like he he gives a really good example of how a scientist uh, somebody who can break down chemicals and compounds right he can go to the the sistine chapel cistern Ch- sistine, sistine chapel and he can pull the paint off the ceiling and tell you what it's made of and wh- how, where, old,
0: it how is. old it is and where
1: it came from but there is nothing in that book of science that can explain to you why it's so beautiful right What what does that mean? Like there's something else there, right? There's things that, that's what beauty was meant to represent in like those old, in the chapels and that kind of thing was to represent the greatest good. So
0: I'm uh, always amazed how they can tell you how old it is. (laughs) Is there somebody validating that for
1: us? (laughs) Somebody going, yeah, you're spot on. I was there. Something to do with like electrons or something. Yeah. 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 So it's. I, I just I I know how important it's been for me, and it's completely changed my life. And here's here's why, guys. Like I'm not just like preaching to you. Like I'm not passing around the basket, okay? Yeah. Like for me, diving back into this, there is nothing that. So I've noticed this, right? So even starting with the college PD, mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to sit in my nice comfy office with literally no calls for service. Sure. That's right, guys. I'm earning the same retirement as you. <laughs> And like, <laughs> it's easy for me to sit in that office and get zero calls for service in an entire 40 hour week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like watch YouTube and send emails and just kind of hang out like one of those office pogues. This
0: is explaining a lot now. Huh? Yeah, uh, no. oh,
1: for sure. It's and and here's the thing. I can sit there and get paid and get taken care of and have a great chief. And I still sit there and go, I want more. Mm-hmm. Right. I want more. I want to go chase more bad guys. I'll go work for county or I'll go Like. And you get antsy and you want more. Sure. Right. And I've done that my entire life. Mm -hmm. Everything that comes in front of me, I've wanted. Just what's the next step? I Mm -hmm. want more. I want more. The one thing that is ever satisfied has been seeking out, like, I'll just call it what it is: the wisdom of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Seeking those like eternal truths. Looking at doctrine. Learning like, what was he? What did he mean when he was teaching this lesson? What What did Christ do when he was doing this? Like, what was the point of this story? Sure. Looking at those things. I've never, like, I've never looked at those and been disappointed with what I had and mm-hmm. been like, ugh, I, I want more than that. Right. I definitely want more, but it's a totally different vibe. It's more like, this is beautiful. How can I never stop feeling this way? Sure. I want to keep learning. Like, sure. And that's, I've never felt that way about anything else.
0: But here's what's funny. And I learned this almost 10 years ago in June. You can be so busy trying to run your world and fix the stuff you break and all of that. And God's going to slow you down and make you sit quietly and listen. My lesson was when he moved me from everything I'd ever known all the way across country to Arizona, where I knew no one. Talk about having opportunities for silence and didn't even know where to go, much less get out and run errands and do stuff. Because my first experience, the first morning I woke up in Arizona, I went to the grocery store, but at my little GPS, and I walk into a food city out here. Oh, geez. In Maryville. Oh, wow. Because I was living in the West Valley. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, food city is pretty much all Spanish, Hispanic food. Nothing wrong with it, but I couldn't even tell, ta- I didn't even know what it was I was buying Yeah. because I couldn't read it. And I'm thinking, I think I went too far south. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we stopped no. in Arizona. <laughs> I think I went on to Mexico. Yeah. And I got back to my house, and I was like, "What have I done?" Yeah. But you know, and even though it's taken ten years, the growth we've had it under the shield just in the last three months mm-hmm. would never have happened had I stayed comfortably in Alabama around friends and family. And plugged away and plugged, it would never have happened. And again, and wouldn't have met you, wouldn't have met Chris, all the other hundreds, if not thousands of of officers and families and people that we've had the honor of working with. Right. And, you know, it's still hard being away from home because Alabama will always be home. But he needed to get me away from all of that. Yeah. To be out here going, Susan, you're on your own. I am here, and you can do this. Yeah, and there have been a lot of conversations with him. You know, Chris used to laugh and say he was going to put a camera in the house because he said I just picture you all day long walking around by yourself talking to him. Yeah, pretty much out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing up there, big man. But <laughs>
1: it's it's crazy it's the way that it's like that, like uh, it's all designed, right? Yes. Um, there's so I am no. Scientist and I have literally no idea. I'm you taking... mean to
0: tell me you're not a biologist and don't know what a no, woman is? I, I'm. I'm
1: currently taking an EMT class, and that's about as far as I get into um, anatomy. Okay. Um, but as far as like psychology and the way the brain works, I know nothing. But uh, no stuff some of us do, right? Something I heard from Jordan Peterson. He's talked about it a couple different times. He talks about um this cool phenomenon how there's uh parts of your brain and parts of like your synapse and all kinds of stuff yep. that that go completely unactivated. Until you do things you've never done before, mm-hmm. so experiencing the new, literally, bring, like expanding yourself into the unknown, sure. taking on risk and doing these things and challenging yourself, right? The trials and mm-hmm. tribulations of life, as we love to use, sure, um, that literally makes you grow. It absolutely unequivocally makes you grow. Like that's so cool yep. to think that it's designed that way, and there's no other way to activate that other than to experience things you've never experienced. So that's, that's for sure. And I, I definitely um, experienced something similar to that moving out here. I left my whole family back in California. Sure. When I got married, we came out here uh, 12 years ago. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of the same, like, what do we even do?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I came with a dog, a cat and a bird. They didn't even talk back.
1: <laughs> you know, I was like, well, the bird talks sometimes. Well,
0: occasionally, <laughs> not always things that God would necessarily want him to say, but um, But, you know, but I think we also have to acknowledge why law enforcement officers struggle with the belief that there is a God or higher being or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Because what y'all see is mostly the fallen world. Right. And when you see children suffering, and, you know, I I struggle with that, not in my belief, but in why. Yeah. And, you know, I think Chris's death brought some other kind of eye-opening stuff to me as well. I know his mom and I have talked about this, and you know me—I'm a let's lynch this guy that did this. String him up right, right now. I'll be happy. Pull the trigger. Whatever it is, we need to do to eliminate this threat. Yeah. And the bottom line is, Chris would not have wanted the death penalty. That it is a capital murder case. Right. Whenever it makes it to trial, probably not in my lifetime. Right. Um. But that's not what Chris would have wanted. And my pastor over at Compass, Pastor Brian Job, made the statement to me and at some point and to Linda, and he said, you know, that Chris would have accepted the fact that God may have needed this to happen to because Chris was in the best place of his life. Yeah, he really he, was. His, he had been baptized. He was active in church. Life was really good, which is kind of the hard part for me and for her. But that Chris's death caused this man now to be confined in a cell where that might be his quiet time that God could reach him. Yeah. And as hard as that is to say, I think there's a reality to that, that I have to accept, that it's not my place. And, you know, one of the things that I I take such pride in— under the shield and try to really drill in our stress coaches. There's no judgment when people walk into these offices. Right. Because that's not my place. Well, yeah. And
1: and who wants to be judged on a single act in their whole life? Well,
0: I said, I got my own skeletons I'm gonna have to answer for. I got time to pick up yours. Yeah. (laughs) But yet somehow I want to judge this man. Mm -hmm. And as much as I I'm not going to use the word hate because I don't. I don't know him, but as much as I hate what he did, yep. no idea why he did it, but as much as I hate what he did, the reality is is that Chris would be pleased to be the person that brought this person to Christ. Right. Because that's what Chris wanted for everybody.
1: Yeah. Or to at least show the example to someone like that. Yes. The Christ-like example, right? Like it's for us we are to forgive everyone and it is to, it is it is to God don't talk to me about God that. will forgive who he forgives. We will forgive everyone, right? Yeah. And it's like so we have um I, so a lot of times in talking to other Christians I get lost in what's just LDS scripture and what's other cuz we have a whole other book guys if you yeah, didn't know. They do. Yeah. <laughs> um but like one of the one of the things that we teach is like he who doesn't forgive mm-hmm. holds the greater sin so sure. like if whatever you do to me mm-hmm. if i don't forgive you and it's like come on guys we know this is true sure think about the the burden you carry when you're hateful or angry at someone right who's wronged you right we've all been wronged sure and think about how mad they make you even when you just see them like it i i've been here they can do something good yep. and it still pisses you off sure <laughs> right because right. you're like i know what you are sure right like and they can even be doing good things and you pisses you off absolutely like this guy turns around gets baptized and goes i love jesus right like, and it's a part how of you, dare you yeah a part of you is going to be like you little like, <laughs> why couldn't you do that before this <laughs> happened? right yeah so and it's and that's natural sure right but it's we are asked to be more than just the animal that we are born right so it, that's and that's the process rise above right yeah. it's it's cool we talked about this in church like a month ago and uh so my father-in-law lives with us now um susan you know that but everybody else doesn't know that so uh, their family and
0: we're praying for grace
1: right right so my father-in-law chuck um and my wife uh we'll call her d and d had a sister april and about so let's see we were in the apartment that must have been eight years ago now something like that Mm -hmm. um and it was uh like four days after christmas April's husband decided they were in the middle of a mess in their marriage. They had four kids. It was a disaster. They were getting a split. Uh, they were both living in the same house. She was seeing a guy. It was a mess. It was a complete disaster. Wow. Yeah, she she had issues with her hormones, and she was seeing a doctor, and it, it was a disaster. But this happens this night. She goes out for her birthday, which is, I think, December 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes home. Some kind of argument ensues. He beats her almost to death and then shoots her in the head and then kills himself, wow. right? Thank God the four kids were sent next door. He normally the dad takes everyone with him. They <laughs> they take the whole family. Yep. They don't want to leave kids without parents or whatever the sure. psychologists say.
0: Such um, a thoughtful
1: right. Thing. So and grandkids are with uh, grandma now um, here in the valley. But uh, so we were talking about this kind of stuff in church, and I just sort of felt impressed, and I was like, "Hey, can I share your story?" And he was like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "I watched this family right." So Chuck lives with us now because his wife of fifty years or something has left him now. Right. Um, she is a whole other
0: <laughs> that's another episode. Yeah,
1: she's an abomination. But you know, it I have to be nice. Yes, yeah, she did. Um
0: <laughs> God loves her but, also. Uh,
1: yeah, he does. And uh so she she has her own issues with mm-hmm. stuff, right? And this was my example was I watched this family come together over this tragic incident of a sister being taken in an incredibly violent, violent. horrible way, yes. right? um malicious way like yes. it was it was uh, let me give you a vibe for the evil i felt in that house so we went out there when this happened two mm-hmm. days i was there two days after we saw her in the morgue and everything else and
0: did you know he was capable of this
1: honestly when i heard so the neighbor called and said something bad happened uh-huh um and you need to come get the kids they lived in california and we lived out here in arizona oh okay um my first thought was she killed him oh wow because of the hormone stuff and everything she was angry like all the time, right? Sure. Um, she had just started to get it squared away, though. They had figured out her medications and she was evening out. Hmm. Um, but that was my first thought. And then I called around hospitals in Simi Valley uh-huh. out there, and I found him in a hospital in an ER room because he wasn't technically dead yet. He was brain dead, but he was still on a machine. I thought she had gotten him. Wow. But what had really happened was he got her and then he couldn't finished the job proper on himself. So he was stuck as a vegetable for a day or two. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I watched this family. Oh, and here's the evil part, right? So we're out there, we're getting all the stuff, getting the kids, getting the property, sorting out the house, what to do with everything, right? So I'm heading back because I got to go to work. So Mm -hmm. I have to go back to Arizona. And my wife asked me, hey, can you go pick up that chair that's in the house? Um, We're going to take that one with us. Mm I was like, okay. So I go by the house, I'm by myself. Nobody's at the house. I open the garage. I go to the garage door and I open it. And it was like God himself came down and was like, don't go in there. Wow. I got goosebumps all up and down my body. I shut the door and I walked away. <laughs> and wow. I, I called my wife and I was like, hey, by the way, not getting that chair. <laughs> I'll see you when you get back to Arizona. I'll buy
0: you a new chair. Yeah.
1: She was like, oh, well, all right. Um, so, yeah, there was some bad juju in there. right? Yeah. And this family. At first. Everyone was mad, right? Reasonable. Sure. You. <laughs> You're reasonable and full of hate, and there's this confused feelings because he's also dead. So you're like, justice, but not really, because he didn't let us have justice, because right. he took himself. Sure. And it's like, so everyone's mad and nowhere to direct it. Yeah. And like, where's the book to do? Like, where's the instruction manual for this kind of thing, right? And over the years, I have watched my wife completely forgive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, utterly, absolutely forgive. Yes to the point like where we have talked to the kids um the the their kids that are mm-hmm. now with grandma we've talked to them about Jason the husband and mm-hmm. with kind words to say right cuz he was not all bad sure yeah he did a horrific thing sure um one with maybe a conversation for another time that whether or not you think it we are all capable of
0: absolutely and hit so, like, the right button and the right time and yeah we we absolutely. all have the
1: evil in us man you bet. like so don't don't fool yourself um but like, she came to that realization, and we were able to make much more beautiful relationships with those kids, right? And the mom, grandma, um, who has the kids, was, from what I could tell, completely unwilling or unable, given her circumstance, mm-hmm. to forgive and go there, right? Now, is she Mormon also? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And there was a complete breakdown mm-hmm. of... Any kind of normal semblance of family structure right like it it all changed she had them call her mom and like like erased jason from pictures and history and everything like he was still their dad for like 10 years right like there's still memories there and there's things that need to be healed um but i watched it just sit like a venom Mm -hmm. in that family and dig a hole right and then things are completely fractured now like you know um
0: well, and that's that's the whole thing, and and I get, I mean, I I don't know, heaven forbid something ever happened to my kids, right? It's the most unnatural thing in the world. You you don't have children and go, gosh, wonder if I need to start a burial fund yeah. to bury them. Yeah, you know, I I remember the realization of coming home after William Marshall joined the Marine Corps and went through all of his boot camp and everything at Paris Island and. Then he was being deployed, and I remember walking in and laid out on the counter was his will and power of attorney and stuff before deployment. And and to him, it was like, hey, what's the big deal? And I'm like freaking out. That's crazy. You need to prep your mother. Don't just lay this crap out for me to walk in and sign. It's the most unnatural thing in the world. And you know that, I think, is one of the things that, because Chris was like a son to me, but to see Linda... And and again, she has her moments and her days and stuff. Yep. But who am I if she can get beyond this? Yeah. And so I can I can understand when people don't have the right help sometimes. For sure. To process that.
1: Yeah, and it gets and it gets harder when they don't want help.
0: Right. And then it's, yes,
1: then it's like, what do you do? Because if a, they
0: don't want it, you can't give it to them, and you
1: have to watch them suffer. And the yes. thing is, is, like it started out, you feel like you want to you want to mourn with that person who's suffering, mm-hmm. and then at a certain point it becomes over their, their anger becomes overwhelming. You can't even be around them. So like, we've seen, we've all seen people who like, we've heard the stories of like in the courtroom, the mom walks over to the murderer and says, I forgive you for killing my daughter or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, we've seen that stuff and it's like, it's like, why does that feel so powerful? It's because it is. It is. It's because it is.
0: (laughs) Because that's not easy. Right. You know, I've thought about it. One of the things I hope one day I'll be able to say to this man that took Chris is that now it's God's to deal with. Yeah. It's not mine.
1: Right. And, and to the point of like, when you're saying like why a lot of officers, what people in our line of work, first responders in general. Yes. We see like the evil. The and worst of the worst. The terrible circumstance. Like a, we had a, t- a 22 year old girl get run over on a little motorcycle, like the month that I was fired. Right. Well, that was like the last call I went to mm-hmm. torn in half on the freeway. Right. Sure. Brand new mom. Sure like happenstance sure it wasn't even evil it was just happenstance yeah it's like okay i can see on at a glimpse why somebody would be like okay and there's a god stuff like this can happen and there's a god okay here's the thing guys like he doesn't reach in and just save us from the world the point is the world the point
0: free will is still a lot satan is alive and well on planet earth right no question And,
1: and think about so for those of you who are familiar with the scriptures when Satan tempts Christ, right, mm-hmm. in his forty days, yep, he says, "I will give unto you all of this in the lands, right?" Oh yeah, I will give unto you, right? He's indicating that it's his. Right. He's indicating that this world is his, man. That's it. So there's, that's an interesting indication. It is a theological discussion, maybe, but it's interesting, sure, because we we all know that this world isn't exactly perfect, uh, you know, so it's uh, far from it, right? So, like, if for those of us who have a challenge with lucky for me, that's never been the difficulty for me. Mm -hmm. I've always been able to see the evil and still be able to be like, well, that doesn't negate the good. Right. It's like, it can maybe overwhelm the good sometimes for sure.
0: Well, it can make you, you know, and and I have this conversation with officers after fatal shootings Mm -hmm. that are Christian and they struggle with the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, 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 no. That's man's translation.
1: Yeah. Thou shalt not murder. Murder.
0: (laughs) And and you didn't murder somebody. And there is a difference. And so you see the struggle there, but, and I tell them, they go, you know, I just get so angry at God and I go, that's okay. He raised the dead. He sealed, he healed the sick and the lame. Yeah. You know what? He can handle that. At least you believe. Right. That's the key. Yeah. It, you got to believe in him to be angry at him. I get frustrated. You know, I keep telling him, let me run this ship for just 24 hours. I can, I can handle it. And right. he's up there going, yeah, right. Susan. Yeah,
1: and and all things in opposition, guys. Like, if if there's such evil, and or just we'll come back to the evil argument because I haven't. I think I have an even better argument for that. But the the terrible happenstance, cancer to a loved one, or someone a child, gets, or a child, or somebody gets hit by a car, like these things that just happen, yes. right? If those dark, horrible things exist, then the the exact opposite of that therefore must exist. Sure. Right? We only recognize things because they stand in opposition to something else. Right. We only know that light exists because we understand dark, dark. and vice versa, right? Yes. So that that's the way these kind of things work. It's all by design. Sure. Right? So that that's a good way to look at that just mm-hmm. to have if you're trying to get your scientific mind to wrap around everything. Everything has is all two sides of a coin. Yep. They they all exist in opposition to each other, right? You only understand sitting because we know standing or laying down, right? There's, there's other things that go against it. Sure. When it comes to the evil, right? So I have a philosophical point that I stand on because I, I wasn't a big reader growing up. Mm-hmm. And then later, in, I say later in life, like the last three years of my life, in my 30s, I've started. <laughs> He's so old. I <laughs> started reading and my wife would sit next to me right now and go, read. And I go, okay, listening. Because I listen to audiobooks. I actually read really slow. I have a high comprehension rate. But for whatever reason, I read very slowly and it's painful.
0: Well, it's probably because your brain's still having other conversations inside yeah. of it
1: while you're trying to read. Right. So it's it's very hard for me. So I listen uh, to books and a book that completely changed my life and touches on this topic at the whole point of the book is this topic is I'm going to say his name wrong, but I'm going to give it a shot. Fedor Dostoevsky. He's a, a classic Russian author um, from the late 1800s, it, like one of the classics mm-hmm. if, if you're looking up like classic authors and he wrote this book crime and punishment wow and this book is about this guy who is justifying this decision to kill this evil little wretched lady <laughs> who like is is like a if i remember right she's like a loan shark type like she she gives out money and, and she, whatever and he's like i'm just like i've been a good man my whole life mm-hmm. and I have nothing. I live in squalor. I'm, I'm like literally starving to death. If I could just kill her, everyone would be happier because she's horrible and everyone hates her. Right. I kill her. I'll take the money. My life will be better, and everyone else's life will be. And he justifies this she'll all, be gone. right? because we can reason ourselves to anything. So Absolutely. reason is not the good. Nope. Right. We can use reason to discern good, mm-hmm. but it is not the good. So careful what you reason yourself into. This guy reasons himself into going and t- taking out this murder. Right. Kills this lady. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then his and he gets away with it. Oh wow. Completely scot-free, clean, right? And there is and there's because
0: nobody cared that she had died. Oh no,
1: well, no, that's so the it was just the perfect crime. It was just the perfect crime. (laughs) Okay. And then this detective who is completely opposite of this guy, Mm -hmm. um, who is Sherlock Holmes type, right? Like super intimidating. You're like, oh, he's gonna catch me for sure, right? Right. He has nothing, but he knows how to play the game and he keeps he he knows that the guy did it, uh-huh. but he can't prove it. He's like, I, I talked to him and I know he did it, but I can't prove it and he's not giving it up. And the main character drives himself insane over this, right? So he ends up falling in love with this girl and he tells her like, I can't do it. And he goes and turns himself in for this murder that he got away with. They drop the case and everything. See, women will do it to you every time. <laughs> right, right. And he drops the case and he goes and he serves his time. And after he serves his time, the girl that he fell in love with meets him outside and they live happily ever after, Right. But like the the way that this whole thing is written, I absolutely leave the book with the idea that no one gets away with anything. Right. So, it, you may on this earth. It, right, <laughs> and that's so. And that's that's the perspective I'm trying to give you guys. Is like we we are so short sighted. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, maybe the justice system will fail. Like. I mean guys, we're all in the same profession. Let's be honest with each other. It'll probably fail to it ain't a degree. Perfect, yes. Right? It'll fail to some degree. Um, it's because it's run by men who are also imperfect. And by men, I mean men and women. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> you heard me. Um, so like it's it's gonna fall apart because it's run by us and we're screwed up. Sure. Right? Which one of us is perfect? None. So, and then we run the system. So it's broken too. Um, but this idea of like eternal justice, right? Mm-hmm. And it and like for those of you wondering what I'm talking about, like so within scripture, let's talk about God and Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Justice has to outweigh mercy. That is a comforting thought to me. Yes. Although mercy is kind of a nice thing since I'm broken. Sure. But justice has to outweigh mercy. So let's just stay with the same thing. These people do evil. Justice has to be paid. It Mm -hmm. had like some level of justice has to be done. They have to make right what was made wrong. Mm -hmm. It's in some way. And now that's paid for by the atonement and by the sacrifice of Christ, right? Because the perfect man came and died a willing death to save us all from our own sin, right? Cool stuff. It's just an equation for justice outweighs mercy and God knew the loophole, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's, it's the perfect equation for that. So more, more reason to your religion.
0: And that's my argument on not—and again, I'm a work in progress. Hadn't even been a year yet, (laughs) but that's my argument about trying to alter, change my whole thoughts about the guy that murdered Chris. If, If God can forgive all of us and his only son died a horrible death, not painless by any stretch, the worst death of all, in my opinion, and many others, then who am I to hold a grudge against this guy? That took Chris. Yeah. And again, if it was to bring him to Christ, then Chris would say, Okay. Yeah. He 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 like I said, I try really hard to be more like Chris. Gosh, that that didn't taste good coming out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> He's laughing now, I'm sure, For but, sure. But I think that's that's the only way I can survive it. And not let this guy rent space in my head for free. Yeah, and that's the whole—that's the whole thing that I work with officers on all the time about their anger at the things they've seen, the injustices, and all that kind of stuff. Is you know, it's like your your mother in law. She has let her former son in law mm-hmm. rent space in her head for free for all these years. He is still controlling her life. Yeah. And I can't remember if you ever sat in one of the trainings where I taught, where I showed the Charlie Plum video. No. And Charlie Plum is this amazing naval aviator. He was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, held captive 2,103 days, six years. Jeez. In an eight by eight cell, tortured brutally, starved, beaten, you name it. Everything that could be done was done. And he talks about after he gets home. And his wife has divorced him because she thinks he's dead and she runs off with another man. And yeah. And he talks about he's driving down the road. And you can tell how old the video is because he talks about I'm um, driving the <laughs> speed limit right on the double nickel. Remember when 55 was the speed limit? Yeah. <laughs> and he says, This guy flies around me, cuts me off. He says, I hit my horn, I shake my fist. And all day long, I'm stirring up all these cholesterols, fixing to have a good old heart attack. And this guy just rides right on down the road. (laughs) He goes, doesn't even know my name, Mm -hmm. but I'm giving him control of my life. And that's that's the part I think that I hurt for law enforcement officers that because of the way we train y'all, we train you to be problem solvers. And when bad things happen to good people, that probably happened before you even get the call. There's no solving that. That you can't prevent. Yeah. Y'all feel responsible. And that stuff eats away at you. You know, it's not the shooting. It's the who got hurt before you got there to handle the problem. Right. And that's the stuff that's r- running around in your head. That's the garbage in the garbage can we talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to have a debriefing on... Like, hey, you could have cleared that room better. Right. You went in a little slow or your partner was, you know, he was exposed when you didn't take the corner right. 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 It's one thing to have that kind of debriefing. Sure. It's another thing to say, hey, you know, like when, when Townsend got run over. Like, yes. So uh, the only two cops that I've ever been friends with that died, both got run over. So wow. like, I'm, I'm bad luck. Don't be my friend, guys. Um. <laughs> so like. <yeah. laughs> no
0: wonder he's not on the podcast a little, Yeah. <laughs> a little, little
1: dark humor for you. Um. But like. Having to break down in your own mind, because we're, we're programmed to debrief and try and be better, right? Every call we go to, we want to be better than the one we were at before. Sure. Right? I'd say most of us. At least that's what we aspire to. Yes. Um, but when something like that happens, it doesn't even have to be your coworker, like one of your brothers or sisters that dies. It could be a, a child that died because you were eight minutes out from the house and they were unconscious with no air, no breath, no CPR for eight minutes, and now they are brain dead.
0: Or a woman right. beaten to death by her husband, right. and you don't get the call and till after she's dead. You
1: can't get there, right? Like, you're, you run through your head, what can I do better? Because that's what we do. Sure. Because we don't want that to happen. Again.
0: Well, that's how you make something positive from a negative, right. is to not let it happen again.
1: Yeah. And when you keep searching in the dark and you're not finding anything, that, that can kind of fester. Sure. Right? Um, like the whole thing with Townsend. Mm-hmm. um at salt river like i mean you you know some of the officers that were on that squad iggy yes. was our sergeant yes right that was his first night as a sergeant
0: i don't think did, it, it did was we? our
1: first day together on that squad
0: i don't think i realized that
1: but so this guy hits townsend uh from what they say dead immediately right mm-hmm. um it was on the freeway the guy was flying so um
0: and it was a crazy circumstance how he veered across so yeah, many lanes all the lanes that he and... should have been hit way before he got got to townsend
1: yeah so it was it was crazy there were some of the officers were there holding townsend together on the way to the hospital there were others like myself i i had a dui in the back of my truck who i just cut loose and drove like she was she got left on the sidewalk in front of the station um so i was like hey have a good day she's
0: thanking god yeah Yeah.
1: so i like left her there and went and i was just holding traffic from getting onto the freeway right so i was never even at the scene technically closest i got was 300 yards away sure never saw it never saw him Wow. Um, so like, and I, I mean, thank God, honestly. Right. Um, because some of the people that did, and there were some people that didn't see him that still had an insanely hard time. Absolutely. Just some that, you know, and that I watched that night that, that same divide I was talking about with my family, mm-hmm. how they, some could forgive and some couldn't. Right. So like when we're in these situations, we're working rapid fire. We go from a hundred to zero and zero to a hundred and back and forth a hundred different times. Uh, And we have to be able to do that and still manage and make good decisions, um, or as the public would have it, perfect decisions. Yes. And it's, I watched some be able to at least detach, Mm -hmm. right? And then they could still manage that night. Right. Um, It caught up with them later. Well, that's
0: where training comes in. It teaches you to get beyond that. Then you all have to try to deal with it.
1: Right. And down the road. They get to it later. Others that night, if they could have got their hands on him, I'm sure they would have wrung his neck, Right. Yes, I had to take that dude to jail. Oh no, that was a different. That was a DUI. A, f- a friend of ours took that guy to jail. Right? I can only imagine. Yes. That he had to control himself from saying mean things or whatever. Right? Like you're angry. I'm not saying he's gonna pop off and kill the guy. Right? But he, I'm sure he wasn't happy with him.
0: Well, right? the, <laughs> the night Chris was pronounced dead, I'm upstairs and the guys down in the ER. Yeah. And I made the statement to someone: there are a lot of guns between me and him that I bet I can get. Yeah and that person was smart enough to send someone up to sit and have their arm around me and keep me really close very tight. Yeah. Because I was at a state, I barely remember. So I can't imagine having somebody in the back of my car.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that <laughs> I has to can't be crazy. Imagine. And I just I remember sitting in the in the like the report writing room. That's usually where we gathered because there's no command staff there. Right. <laughs> um so and we're sitting around and talking obviously. And I I just like, cause we talk about going down to our training, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we go back to default and we just, we work through it.
0: Muscle memory of well,
1: so much of it. Lucky for me, 10 years of teaching and training in church. Like I had a little bit of help from that. Right. And right. like, Hey, you have to, you have to not be so mad. Yep. Like this is not going to help you or anyone else. And just what came to mind and what I shared that night was look guys, however mad you are at this guy and however much you want him to suffer. Think right now. You're on the freeway, you're on your phone, and for whatever ungodly reason, like, because we all know that being distracted, something bad could happen. Yes. We take that risk all the time. Absolutely. Which one of us does not do that? To some degree. Sure. Okay? This dude took the same risk that we took. Yep. And it went absolutely 180 on him, right? Like, the absolute worst circumstance, other than maybe hitting, like, a bunch of kids. Right. Like...
0: Yeah, he had no intent.
1: Right. Like the guy that killed Chris. So, Absolutely. Right. So think about the, how this dude is torturing himself. Exactly. This guy has a family. Yes. He just killed another man who has a family. Yes. Who has a one-year-old baby. Yes. Like, do you, do you think that he's just like...
0: There's nothing we can do worse to him.
1: Daisy's. Yeah. There's no amount of hate or torture you could give him sure. that he's not giving himself. Sure. And this guy has to live with it for the rest of his life. Yep. If he lives long enough to not take his own life and like well, whatever else, right? So... The whole idea of being able to free yourself and free that person a little bit, Mm -hmm. like there's there's beauty in that. Like there's at least for me, right? And I still know people that would probably be mad (laughs) at this guy. Right. Right. And and that's that's between them, that guy, and God. Absolutely. You you do what you gotta do. But from what I've learned, at least for me, and what seems to make sense for other people, is to free each other of that, man. Like I don't I don't ever have to see this guy in person and say, I forgive you. Like, I don't have to do that. That's, I don't feel the urge to do that. Right. But I'm also not mad at him. Mm-hmm. Like, I miss my friend. Right. But at the same time, it's like, but what, what, what can I, what does that do? Right. Like, it's great. Like, the thing that, really the thing that released me, because you talked about it with um, Chris's mom. hmm Those who are left behind. Yes. And do the suffering. Yes. That was what was hard for me, was watching Townsend's wife Absolutely. Come to the hospital and you know, I've never heard anybody cry like that. Absolutely. She saw her husband in pieces, you know what I mean? Almost. Sure. And to to hear somebody cry like I I feel like part of her pain came down the hallway and touched me. Of course. Right. And I had Well,
0: because it could be your family.
1: Right. I hadn't ever cried that hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't lose my my wife. You know right. what I mean? Like, what am I bawling about? You know, I didn't have to hold them together on the freeway. I didn't have to bring them to the house. I didn't even see him. Right. Why am I crying? And it, it, it was, I was properly sad until uh, the funeral. Lucky for me, they put me on the rifle team on mm-hmm. the funeral. So I was able to be part of it. Yep. Something special about that. I don't know if you have there the is. chance, if you're in the service and you have the chance to do that, do that. It was something special about almost like serving him in honor. Sure. Um,
0: well, just like when I did the eulogy
1: yeah. for Chris. Right, right. As hard as it was,
0: it was an honor to do that.
1: Right. You feel like you're, you're, Doing him one last service. Yes. And then, and also serving those who are mourning him. You sure. Know what I mean, um, it was that, that really helped. And then what totally got me over the hill was mm-hmm. we went and did this like a uh, charity run for her and the family, mm-hmm. her and her son. And uh, we were at the department and we're doing this run. It's like a fundraiser. And she is there, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like smiling and she like, looks like she's getting back to like being alive again. Right, because the last time I saw her, she was absolutely destroyed, and at the funeral, right? How like,
0: long after his maybe death was this? Two months. Okay, yeah.
1: Um, and I went up to her and I like said, "Hey, you know, it's really good to see that you're doing better." Because mm-hmm. that was healing me. She, and this is what she said to me. She looks me in the eyes. She goes, "Can I give you a hug?" <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "She's gonna help And me. I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> she could see it on me, man. She could see of it course. on me, and. I remember when I don't remember how long it was. I think it was a, a year maybe uh-huh. or maybe a little more than that, where she started dating a guy, mm-hmm. nice guy who she's now married to. They Good. have they have kids, right? And I remember some of the same officers on my squad who have challenges with this situation. Sure. Right. And look, hear me out, guys. I am not passing judgment. I I was blessed to have an ice cold heart. <laughs> I seriously, I didn't like when April died, mm-hmm. when she was killed, I didn't cry. I was there, like I walked in with with my wife, saw the body. I brought her back. I was just Mr. Support guy. Yes. But like, I have been given a gift of staying distant. Like, I do not empathize well. So like, I don't know, sociopathic tendencies or something. Oh boy, here it comes. uh, Yeah, whatever it is. The truth is coming out. But I've been blessed with that. So I have an easier time. So don't get me wrong. I'm not judging. I come from a different place. But I watched certain officers still haunted by that anger. Yes. Now transfer that anger to her for moving on when they had not moved on yet. Right. Like these officers are still mad about Townsend dying. Right. And now they're mad that his wife isn't still sad like they are. Right. And they haven't
0: figured out how to move on. How could she? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like, and it's like that, guys, that's exactly why we have to learn to forgive. Because now you're angry at people who don't deserve your anger. Right. Like, And that's, I mean, that's what's happening in our family. Well, but I I think
0: you have to look at it too, that families are given a great deal of support Mm -hmm. in a line of duty death. The resources come out of the woodwork, up through the floorboards, everything. Yeah, for sure. Cops does an amazing job of that stuff. But what's really been there for the officers who are greatly impacted differently, but greatly impacted and aren't given what they necessarily need or won't take what's available to help them heal yeah and so they do get stuck and then they can't imagine how did the family move on when again
1: there's incredible resources well it's like we were saying it's like it's hard to help somebody who doesn't want help right i say hard it's kind of impossible or doesn't think
0: they need the help because they're justified like you were talking about earlier we can justify anything yep I we can justify being angry and burning the building down. You know, I I laughed when I moved in this house and told the homeowner. I said, you know, if I ever find scorpions, I'm just going to burn your house down. <laughs> and I can justify that. Yep. Yep. But you know, we have to stop and realize sometimes there comes a point, and and I've watched officers make that shift in the office, especially when I talk about um, renting space in your head. Or I remember, and again. Bird and I talk about this in our training, so I'm not <laughs> breaking any confidences here. But I remember James Bird, Dave Glasser, one of his best friends mm-hmm. when he was killed at Phoenix. And Bird called me one day and was feeling guilty. And I said, Okay, feel guilty. Um, but in order to feel guilty, you have to take some responsibility off the POS that actually shot and killed Dave. Oh, yeah. How much responsibility you want to take for? It? You want to take thirty because everything's only hundred <laughs> percent. Right. You want thirty percent, and he only gets seventy, <laughs> or you want twenty, and he gets eighty. Tell me what the breakdown is here. Right. And he goes, I don't want to take anything off that pos. I said, okay then. Right. And he said it was like a light bulb moment. Yeah. That the reality came that if he was going to take some responsibility here, it took it off the actual person who did commit this crime. Right. And sometimes that's kind of how you have to get to officers because y'all are problem solvers and that's how we train you but if we don't teach you you're not going to solve everybody's problem then you start wanting to take responsibility and feel guilty
1: well yeah and you're trying to I don't want to I don't want to speak for other people for me when I do that kind of thing mm-hmm. I'm trying to satisfy justice yes through my own means or whatever right like I feel like it's not satisfied I need to balance the scale how do I do that by punishing this person by being mad at them and letting them know I'm mad, right? Or punish yourself. Or, yeah. Or yourself. If you think that you're the one, right. If you feel guilty, but back to like the theme of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. that's not clinically. I'm not clinic. I don't know that kind of stuff, but that's a disorder. Yes. And, and that, what I mean is you, you the things that you are serving, and paying attention to and putting your effort into and your love and your passion into are out of their proper order. Yes. Justice is not yours to serve. Right. It is God's to serve or the greatest goods, right? Like if that's karma for you, then it's karma. Sure. Right. Because listen, you don't have, you don't have the power to do this all. No. And the sooner you kind of relinquish some of your own personal responsibility for the entire world's like disaster. Sure the better off you'll be. Now, I understand taking responsibility for that, which you can, right? I'm all about Jocko, extreme ownership. Like, let's do it. Sure. But there's a certain point where you also have to understand that you're not in control of everything. Else. Right. Um, so just know how to balance that or at least start to try to balance that because a lot of us are out of balance and don't notice it yeah. because we're out there kicking ass and taking names.
0: Well, and again, this is, uh, you know, part of, I have people ask me all the time. I actually had a chief here ask me after Chris's death. He goes, I don't know how you do what you do. And I kind of laughed and said, Chris, and I would call it a God thing because I have come to the realization I'm not in control. Right. I'm really not. And all I can do is what I can do. And probably one of the first the the place that had the most impact to me of all, because the first five years I was gonna save everybody in law enforcement and I hit a brick wall. <laughs> you know, when I realized, yeah, you know, ain't all that, Susan, um, was going up to New York post nine eleven. Yeah. And seeing the cross that was made and, and the iron workers measured it and said it was completely impossible for a human to have made that cross as perfect as it was. And what a lot of people don't know, and there's a picture here in the office, there were like 21 or 22 other perfect crosses laying around the one that was standing. I mean, it literally was standing. And that's the one they moved to every time we went down into the pit, you had to go past that cross. And it just reminded me every time I went in there and came out, God, God is still on the throne. And he's still there in this horrific situation. And we as mere mortals and human beings can only do what we can to make life better for others. Yeah. And that was a big lesson to me, especially from 9-11. Yeah. And the positive things that did come from it, because there were positive things that came from it. And to ask a group of NYPD officers in a critical incident debrief, sitting there mourning and they want to get back and dig more and you ask what's something positive that came from this and they look at you like what is wrong with you and i said hang on how many of you've heard from people or family members you hadn't heard from in years yeah. reconnecting with people and every one of them could come up with something positive that did come from that horrible day yeah. and the next year that they had to live digging through it
1: well i mean we're we're designed to see the bad right i mean we yeah. can we can all imagine what the worst bad is, is like suffering and death. Yes. Can we imagine what the best good is? Like, not really. Right. I mean, we can talk about it, but we don't, we we don't see it regularly. We see death all the time. We see suffering all the time, injustice all the time. So we pay attention to that stuff because it's horrible and we try to avoid it. Sure. Right. So it's like uh, they did this experiment where they, they would just walk up to random strangers and give them a $5 bill. And (laughs) then as they walked down the road, they'd ask them how, how much better did that make you feel? And they'd be like, oh, it felt great. Yeah. And then they had other random, like, those same people. Mm -hmm. Now they walk on and they're like, hey, give me that $5. And they go and take it from them. And they say, how bad does that make you feel? They're like, horrible. Yes. Like, they felt way worse losing the five. Than getting it. Than good getting it. Yes. Right? Because we're just, we're designed that way. Sure. But we respond strongly to negative things. Sure. Because that's how we survive. Yes. So it's like, it makes sense. But again, back to being more than the animal. Yes. Like, we have to rise above. Like, this, and this is, I mean, this is complicated stuff. There's, there's not a simple answer to a complicated not question, right? Like whole idea of faith in God. Like if I ask you how an atom works, you're not just going to be like, it's things spin around in circles real small. But to like, be honest
0: with you, I'd go, I don't know. I yeah, don't really right. Care. Like
1: there's, there's complicated <laughs> answers to a complicated <laughs> question, yes. but this, this, it breaks down to this idea of where we have to kind of let things go and be, because there's to a certain extent right. to have good, you need evil to have the great. You need to have the bad. Like, and right, you could take the stance that, well, okay, well, that's that's an effed up scenario. I hate it. And in order to get back at God, I'll just burn it all. Sure, like, sure. That's what like mass shooters do and people that go kill people in mosques and schools. Like, that's what they decided. Sure, this is bullshit. I'm killing everyone. Give God the finger. Yes. Right? Like, watch what I'll do. Yes. Burn it all down. Like, sure, you could take that stance. But I think we all agree that that's a little ridiculous. And you'll
0: pay a price for it.
1: Right. You're just a, you know, you're a toddler having a temper tantrum with an AR. Yes. Like, okay, like, go ahead. But I don't know what good that's going to do you. Like, don't, at least me, man, like, don't believe for a second that you're not going to answer for that at some point. Right. Like, you may take your own life. I, Like I said, that book changed my, nobody gets away with anything. That's right. So. If that's the case, and if at one end it's turned into a petulant child with a gun <laughs> giving the finger to God, or the opposite, right? What's the opposite? Well, that's the person who goes, okay, there are things out of my control. Yes. There has to be good so that there can be evil, and vice versa. I have to take the good with the bad.
0: And I'll do the best to my ability, recognizing your abilities.
1: Right. And then what, do, what can you do? It's yes. the same thing I tell my kids when they come crying, like, oh, my brother did this and did that. Look, man. Can you control your brother? No, dad. What can you control? Myself, dad. Yep. That's right. So do the thing that you can do. Yep. If you can walk away or if you can make it better, then do those things. If you can't, then you got to find a solution that, that involves you not being there or something, right? Like, sure. Do the good that you can do. Yes. If you're not going to burn it all down, then try and do some good and balance out some of the evil. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So it's like, that's your choice, man. Well,
0: and, and stop looking to fix everybody. You know, again, I end our trainings with, you know, your your goal is to reach retirement. I get that. <laughs> I just, every day you go to work, your goal is to go home and reach retirement. But your objective should be to help one person in this career and every one of you, because if you don't set that, then you set yourself for failure because it means you have to save everybody. Right. But when you say one. And again, if y'all haven't watched the movie um, "Pay It Forward," it, no wait, what? Yeah, is that the name of it? Jack Nicholson. Where I think it's called "Pay It Forward," and it it talks about you help one and they help five, and oh, those yeah. five help um, however many. And uh,
1: yeah, Quaid. I don't. He, yeah. I, no, I've, I've seen the movie. And with the kid, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the reality is, is when you help one, you have no idea. That one person could be the person that finds a cure for cancer. Right, right. But a lot of times, y'all don't see the good. You know, I think a lot of times firefighters and paramedics do when they bring somebody back to life with right. CPR or whatever. Um, but I think a lot of times law enforcement doesn't ever see the outcome of the good that they've done. Right. So it feels like you never have anything good happen. Yeah. But set, set the goal, your objective is one person everybody in the in law enforcement listening to this or any of the first responders you've far exceeded your objective yeah every one of you
1: and it's it's like I tell some of the guys that I talk to about this kind of thing where they get they get frustrated on like what's their purpose right because we're we do a lot of this community policing stuff now this is that's hot all over the country all over the world sure they want to have good public relations so we're out there kissing babies shaking hands all that kind of stuff. And they get frustrated because one, that's not what they thought they'd be doing. They right. thought they'd be dealing with the scum of the earth and they wanted to stand up to the evil, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that is. And what I try to tell them, at least my perspective, and I know not everybody agrees as usual, but uh, I really feel like it's not, and it's, it's not a beautiful place to stand. It's kind of a thankless job in a lot of ways. Yes. We're, we're not meant to be the good guys. This is just how I put it. We're not meant to be the good guys. We're meant to be the bad guys to the bad guys. I show up to take away your nana when mm-hmm. she's beating on grandpa. Yes. Right? Like, that doesn't make me a good guy. Like, everyone's mad at me when I go and do that. Right. The kids are mad. Grandpa's mad. He's telling me to stop. He regrets calling the police. All this, like, right? Everyone's mad. Sure. But in the end, I'm doing what's for the best. Yes. And what society has deemed necessary. Sure. Right? That's the executive branch. I do what society has deemed necessary through law. Yes. Right? This is unacceptable. Nah, nah, you're going to jail. Yep. Right. Like, so, <laughs> but I'm not the good guy. I'm mm-hmm. not, the, I don't, I don't show up and save your cat in a tree. Right. Maybe once in a year, I'll do something cool like that where right. everybody's like, yay, please. <laughs> but generally, I'm the guy that shows up, pisses everyone off, breaks things. Yep. And takes someone away that you love. Yep. It's like, we have to, like, that doesn't sound glorious. You have to find the good in that. Absolutely. It, just like we were saying. Good and bad, you have to pick a side, man. Burn it all down or see the good in things and roll with it. Like, we have to see the good in this, and it's hard to do in law enforcement. It is hard. Especially because it's easy to see the bad, because like I said, that's what we're designed to do.
0: And keep in mind, your job is to catch them. The rest of the judicial system that is so screwed up right now with prosecutors (laughs) letting everybody out with a slap on the wrist and whatever, their job is to cook them. And if they burn them or undercook them or whatever guess what? It's job security. Granted, it's risking society and our law enforcement and first responders' lives when we have repeat offenders continually being let out. But it isn't a reflection on your job. Yeah. And I think too often that is the way it's perceived sometime. Yeah. But you do your job. And again, I don't like it either but the rest of the system has to do its. And if it doesn't, then we need to make changes in that part of the system. Yeah. And, but it is not a reflection. It isn't that they're letting them out because you didn't do it right.
1: Yeah. And it's not that it's futile either. Like no. it can feel like that in the moment because again, we're short sighted creatures, but the the truth of this all is that it all comes in cycles, men. Yeah. Generally in law enforcement, 30 year cycles from what I've gathered from all our guests yes. over the last year, Especially Dave Grossman, yes. Like watching and um, oh, what's his name from New York?
0: Rich, Matt. Rich,
1: Rich Matt. He talked about it because yes. he's, he's been around it forever. Yes. Right. Generally, it comes in thirty-year waves. Yes. They like us. They hate us. They like us. They hate us. And whatever else in the government going on. Sure. It. It's not futile. They good people need people like us to be there, even when everyone else says screw it to the system. Yes. We still need to be there. Right. And yeah, this, maybe they're letting people go the next day that shouldn't be let go. Right. And what, like, so you show up to work the next day. Yeah. And the only way that you're going to be able to keep doing that is if you take care of yourself and you have your mind in a good place. Yes. And honestly, guys, your soul in a good place. Yes. Because that's going to lead the way. Like, we all, like, I was there. I was the saltiest officer at Salt River. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find a more poisonous officer <laughs> than me. You couldn't. I know. Like, you wanted somebody <laughs> to talk hate. About their own department? Oh, I was your guy. Yes. Right? Like, I was so mad because I was. I felt betrayed and bitter, and it was, it was pointless. I'm trying to do good things. They're just getting mad at me. Yep. Like, I didn't want to give me flowers instead of guns. Like, I was all <laughs> over the place, man, because <laughs> I was serving the wrong thing. I was disordered. I was trying to serve justice my way, what I thought it was, because you know me. I know everything. Right. And my understanding is perfect. And this is what justice and should the be. the younger
0: and newer you are on the job, yeah. the, the more you know Do yeah. you
1: think. For real. So, and we get caught up in that because it's like, it, it's easy to just see black and white be good all the time. Like, and I get that. There, sure. there is a good and there is a bad. Sure. There's a right and a wrong. But guys, you're not in control of everything. Yep. <laughs> like, you need to, like one thing at a time, serve the highest good. The high, Whatever that means to you, serve that thing. Yes. Look to that thing and align yourself with that. Every time you feel lost, and I promise you, it'll give you something better to do than be pissed.
0: Yes. And I want to commend chiefs and sheriffs who have those values in the right place. And I always come back to Mark Lamb. Yeah. And Mark is is in my book. Um, and again, I haven't worked for him, but I know a lot of people who do, and they love him and respect him, don't always agree with every decision he makes. But I think Mark's heart is in the right place for his people. But he also has his priorities in the right order. He also is a Mormon. Um, and Mark stands up and speaks out in the right way. And that, to me, is someone to be respected. And I think it's also what keeps morale up in his department, because they he's setting the example. Yeah. And when that kind of example is set, for the people below him. I think you've got healthier people overall yeah. and it's there's not the confusion and the issues that can come about when the person at the top doesn't have those values in the right place. And I don't think Mark's running around preaching at people, but he leads by example and I think they all know where he stands. Yep. And so that's just one of many. There're quite a few chiefs and sheriffs around this country that I know personally that I hold in the highest regards because of the fact I know where their values are and I know that they put God first whatever belief system they have yeah. god comes first and sometimes they get their people and themselves and their families <laughs> a little confused but that means they're because they're good people and they care yeah and those those are the ones that probably have the least amount of issues within their agencies too And so it's nice to, and, you know, we need to get Mark back on here talking about that
1: sometime soon. Yeah. We'd all be better off having the thought that we are not the most important person. Yes. Whether that's, that's why I, I am a big believer in marriage and having children. They're, they make things more important than you. Yes. My wife is more important than me now. And when you have kids, my kids are more important than me now. And then my wife is more important than me. And then I come, Right. And then if you But
0: you do have to keep you up there.
1: You have to stay healthy. You have to have because your Because there's nothing right.
0: left to give to them if you put if everything you, into them.
1: You have to take care of yourself. That's the thing. A lot of times we get that order, yep. but then we just knock ourselves off the list cuz we're just going to serve all the
0: time. Women right. are really bad about that. Yeah. And I get it. But
1: yeah. Well, cuz they they nurture. Sure. Yeah.
0: But they this is where you have to keep that order and it doesn't mean that Please let me clarify this. I've had to in class many times. <laughs> All right, law enforcement officers, you especially. It doesn't mean your kids don't get what they need for school for you to go buy another gun. That is not what I'm talking about. Right. (laughs) I'm just talking about you have to be healthy and happy in your own right, or there won't be anything left to give to them because you'll burn out. And again, this is the voice of experience. I got to that place and literally was ready to close the doors. Five years in, I thought, I cannot do it because I was trying to fix everybody. You can't fix the people that don't want to be fixed Yeah, and you can only do what you can do. And that's where my belief system of having God at the top, I just turn it back over to him and go, Hey, if there's something you want me doing, you're going to have to let me know what that is and how to do it right. or show me the right direction for somebody else to do it. Yeah, And it, when you keep those priorities right, the world is a little bit easier to take and you're not as hard on yourself. Amen. So I'm really glad that you came in and we talked about this cuz this is something that especially right now needs to be talked about.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's making a turn. I feel like a lot of people are looking for something yes that matters and I'm having these kinds of conversations all the time with people that I would not have expected it. Yep. Um and it's it's beautiful. We all, we all could do better. Yes. So it's it's a great conversation to have when people are actively seeking out like hey, what can, what can I do right to be more? Like, yes. That's, we should all be asking ourselves that.
0: Or to be less angry. And yeah. this is not a judgment by any stretch. That's something else I love about James Byrd. He stands up and says, Isn't our belief systems are different, but in no way does she judge me for it. I just laugh and tell him, that's all right. I'm praying over you. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> Bless your heart. Yeah. Yes.
0: And uh, so it, it in no way is about judgment. I have atheists in here and agnostics in here all the time. And yep. again, it's um, it, it's all of us working together to make the world a better place and do what we can do. When we can't, we got to have a place to turn it over to. And so I hope you will come back again at some point that you're not going to wait nine months or however long it's been. <laughs> To make your presence known here, we'll get you back in the, and it's actually, uh, I probably shouldn't say it online, but, uh, Tom doesn't know yet. Cause Tom's been on vacation. Tom, Been that. on vacation three weeks uh, comes back tomorrow. What? I told him, I said, don't be surprised when I disappear
1: for three weeks. I mean, I guess he earned it 20 years.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this has been a long three weeks, but he, <laughs> he will be back on the next episode. And, uh, he doesn't know it yet, but the studio once we get it up and running will be the Chris Ferrar studio. Oh, that's exciting. That we will be recording from every week and just keeping his memory alive. And I think that's healing for all of us. So for sure. Uh we'll get you back in once we have the studio officially up and running.
1: It'll be nice to see it.
0: It'll be fun, and uh, we just hope that everybody out there that maybe this has touched you in some way, maybe answered some questions, maybe helped you um, in in some form or fashion. And again, at Under the Shield, we are always here 24-7. Uh, you call our crisis line. We call it a crisis line. It's actually just a, a 24-hour line, um, but that number is 855-889-2348. And my cell number is 334-324-3570. These numbers are available to all first responders, military, and families. We do not ask your name. We don't even have your phone number when you call us. Um, It comes up under the SHIELDS number, the 855 number that you dial. Complete anonymity. It's the most uh, probably important form of confidentiality (laughs) that you can have. And... uh, so we won't ask you your name or who you work for. We may ask if you're a fire or PD or whatever, or family, so that we can make sure you're talking to the right stress coach. But reach out to us anytime again, 24-7. That number again is 855-889-2348. Ace, thanks for what you're doing. I know it's not 100%, but you know, God's God's using this time to get you geared up for something bigger and greater, I think.
1: It sure feels like it.
0: It's just. Patience, Lord, give it to him because he's not a patient person. And uh, and again, we hope you'll come back. God bless all of you out there, your families in this great nation that we live in. And thank you for the sacrifices that you make. And we will be back next week. And again, Tom will be back in studio. I'm sure he's going to have all kind of adventures, having driven across country to North Carolina and back. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening, and we love you.
1: Yep, love you guys.